Hey everybody, Mark Stratz and Chad Schleicher here to welcome you to Built AZ, where we uncover today's biggest topics, trends, and challenges surrounding the commercial real estate market in Arizona. Each show, we will interview market leaders and ask the challenging questions that pry out the information you want to hear. Today, we are fortunate to have Kelly McClellan of Knoll join us to discuss LEAD, which stands for Leadership in Engineering and Environmental Design, and how that's affecting today's built world. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you being here. Um, so I think as we think about LEAD and its position in today's market, um, question one gets around... Uh, for each of us, whether we're talking furniture, architecture, or the end user, um, what is the demand today and how prevalent is the lead conversation in your respective uh, businesses? So Kelly, let's start with you. And we wanna talk about uh, lead and the impact with Noel. So we are still seeing um, a lot of lead certified projects come through Noel. Um, it has declined a bit because we're, we're seeing some other standards. Um, the well building standard has gotten popular. Um, well is more of a focus on health and well-being. It's kind of the human health people factor. Um, we're also seeing the living building challenge. Um, that one's gaining traction. Um, but we really at Knoll, sustainability is inherent to our company. So we are very focused on sustainable products, whether, whether a client is going for a lead or not, um, but we still, we still see a lot of lead projects coming through. Great. Um, Chad, from the client side on the design architecture um, side of our world, of the built world, what demand are you seeing and uh, what types of demands are there out there for lead? <clears throat> yeah, great question. So, you know, I guess to start, I, I want to say that in general, Smith Group is very, very focused on sustainability. It's one of our uh, main pillars in how we approach design. I mean, a, a little bit of a shameless plug. We actually designed the first lead platinum building in the world, first commercial net zero water building first lead plat federal building, and then actually Arizona's first net zero building. And so this is kind of how we focus on our design. Uh, our tenants right now um, are kind of almost expecting some form of lead. Um, so when they're going in, they might not specifically be looking for a lead platinum building, but they're just kind of assuming there's going to be lead aspects, you know, things like a lot of natural light, things like um, comfort, which could be more on the furniture side, ergonomic, thermal controls, optimized ventilations, um, healthier materials in general, and then a um, little bit less, but still a big focus for some of the bigger clients, the bigger tenants, is things like active design and then biophilia. Hmm. That's interesting. And as I think about the, the end user side of the business and the built environment, 10 years ago, we saw 
kind of request for proposal, letter of intent after letter of intent that included a lead uh, clause for the developer or the landlord to really uh, define and identify what they were doing uh, in a particular project or space um, regarding being LEED certified. Um, that has declined steadily and very rapidly uh, to the point where I have not seen that in a proposal or letter of intent in maybe four or five years. And as we think about the world today, and it, we know it's getting smaller and smaller. People are more um, educated around uh, issues in the world and what's happening in the world. Because of that closeness of the, of the global community, as you described, Chad, and what you're doing with Noel Kelly, is it now just the expectation? Is that the product or space or environment will have lead um, components or lead aspects that the, the client now just expects. So do you think, so now moving into a question around that, Kelly, do you think the end user now of your furniture is just mm -hmm. expecting the product to be either lead certified or have low VOCs? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's now just the expectation of the client? I do, I think it's become more inherent to what I call the A-grade manufacturers, which is one of, what Noel mm -hmm. is, that we are gonna manufacture with sustainable practices. We are going to, whether you go for lead or not, you're gonna be able to contribute to those lead points. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do agree with that. And I think we used to see it more in RFPs also, Mark. And I've noticed now that you're saying that, there's less of a decline in the requests like they would want us to list out all of our sustainable practices mm -hmm. and all the products that met what we call BIFMA level three which is the highest level right. of sustainability and we do see that less in the requests because I, I almost yeah. feel like the there's an expectation of it is yeah right yeah it, it's not the client isn't really out on a limb asking for this mm -hmm. it's now more of the norm right and I think if we look at you know, if we just think about organic, okay? So organic food, what does that really mean? Well, in today's supermarkets, every supermarket from Fry's, Safeway, Albertsons, Foodland in Hawaii to Whole Foods, yeah. it's all organic base or organic section. So it's now it's just part of society, part of the conversation. And is that kind of what you're saying with your clients? It's not just part of the conversation. It should just be there inherently now. It is, right? yeah. I also think there's um, companies have adopted more of a social responsibility around having sustainable practices, buying sustainable products. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to their employees. Right. So um, I think it's just inherent to these companies, yeah. Well, and I think to your point, Mark, I think what's really fascinating and kind of just expectations, um, someone said this a while ago, is now we just assume there are to be trash and there are to be recycling, right? Mm -hmm. And a long time ago, that recycling meant, meant, okay, this is a little bit of a progressive office space or a, a household that actually takes the time to separate out and 
do something that's good for the environment, right? And so now, yeah, you literally, yeah. if you don't see it, you're almost like, well, why isn't that there? Right. I get kind of angry if I'm in a place where I go to throw a piece of paper in it and there's no blue recycling. I'm like, where's this going? <laughs> right, is this going right, into a right. landfill? So, right. yeah. Well, and think about that if we, if we sidetrack into the blue recycling can, um, whether it's residential or commercial. Fifteen years ago, in the great state of Arizona, that wasn't required, it wasn't mandatory, it was something you had to pay extra for. So as a native Washingtonian, someone from Seattle, where I, I've been recycling since my early days in college in 1993. And when I moved to Arizona 15 years ago, recycling wasn't part of the state. So it is really part of that kind of new generation, new thinking, but now it's really uh, ingrained in the mentality, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of filtering all the way into furniture design and the end user, mm -hmm. right? So I think there's two things that are, you can kind of like tag on with that that are fascinating. So the big, big corporate users like the Wells Fargo's of the world are trying to be in front of this. And so uh, this is Wells Fargo's 2020 sustainability goals. Number one, increase our 45% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, reduce energy consumption by 40%, achieve lead status for 35% of the buildings we have, increase water uh, consumption, um, or reduce water consumption by 65% through things like um, urinals or toilet systems that use less waters per flush, or just reduce total waste stream. Um, so there's these big corporate goals that have these like outside pressures or just natural wants to kind of become more uh, sustainable. But then I think this next generation of people are being, like you mentioned, right? This didn't used to be the case that recycling was a, a given. They're growing up in this environment and I think they're gonna have these expectations. So it'd be interesting to see 15 years from now, if the same tenants that are reaching out to you to find space are, are just maybe assuming it or not, won't even look at a space that maybe has some of those uh, lead goals. Right, and I think that might be part of the conversation is the assumption. The user, the buyer is assuming that the building or the product is gonna have sustainable features built in today. Um, and that might be the case. I think, it, I think that is what is happening as we think about, you know, especially the topic around VOC. Um, you know, that was really an unknown uh, acronym and an unknown term, I think even five years ago, as we think about the products that Noel is putting into the marketplace. Um, so let's, let's switch gears a little bit to the VOC um, component of building furniture and designing furniture and talk to us about what Noel is doing around that issue. Sure. So what VOCs are, are volatile organic compounds and they are basically toxins that are part of the manufacturing of furniture. So there's glues and there's resins that you put the furniture together with and they contain VOCs. Um, they're harmful, toxic you know, things that can go, um, that are emitted into the air. So they directly affect air quality. So a company like Knoll is going to use, is going to have very low VOCs. We, um, again, we contribute to lead points and we're not going to affect the air quality. If you go to like 
you know, a B, C grade manufacturer, you put 100 workstations in a project, you're going to have the VOCs, they're going to emit for about a year. So you're going to affect that air quality for a year. Um, and I think that's it's kind of an education for tenants that we like to, or clients we like to talk about, because if they don't understand what that means, you're, in fact, you're affecting air quality for a year by using um, <clears throat> manufacturers that aren't using sustainable practices and sustainable materials. Well, if we think too about that comment that the, uh, the VOCs are in the space for up to a year, and then if you're in a building that doesn't have either single pass air or an operable window system to allow fresh air in, that recycling of those VOCs is not only in your space, but let's say you're in a high-rise multi-tenant building, that's being recirculated through the entire That's building, a really good point, right? yeah. So then you're basically just in an ongoing airplane, right? Right, of just recycling yeah. these VOCs. Yeah. So, so Knoll, um, incredible company, uh, by design is making choices to limit or reduce the VOC in your products. We are. Yeah. yeah. So Chad, on the design side, as you think about Kelly's comments on VOCs, as you guys go through space planning and test fits and choosing vendors like Knoll, um, what weight um, in the conversation is the VOC, uh, what part of the dialogue is that with you guys and the user? I, so this, for us, this typically comes at a little bit later process. Um, ideally, what we like to do is work with Noel up front and the user and kind of design this together. Um, what often happens is that we put together a program, we actually start designing the space, and then we put out a request, in this case to Null, to kind of give us options of what that furniture could be. Um, I think, to back to the point about assumptions, is that I kind of think that now the, the, the trend is that uh, they're making an assumption that this furniture that's uh, gonna be in the space is gonna be friendly material. Um, and I think that they're becoming a little bit more focused on aesthetic and then price at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think um, something I'd be really interested, I guess, to find out, uh, Mark, from you is tenant side, does the, the tenant lease make an impact? Meaning, if it's triple net, does the landlord say, oh, I don't really care, um, the tenant's paying for everything? Or from right. a gross lease, is the tenant saying, this doesn't really affect me, the landlord's covering everything? From a VOC perspective. Not from a VOC perspective, no. but more from kind of a green, sustainable aspect. I mean, it, does the type of lease change the conversation? Or Absolutely. Um, you know, shameless plug, I'll, I'll talk about my company, Transwestern, and the choices we made around our new work environment. And as we, as we spoke earlier about the fact that a lot of these choices are very well known um, on the local level or on the consumer level. We made choices, uh, number one, around uh, fresh air. So we have two 12 foot by nine foot um, operable glass walls 
and that allows for that indoor-outdoor opportunity to do air exchange, right? And then as we think about the operations of the building, um, that allows us to work with our mechanical system by turning it on and off, depending on if the doors are open or closed. That allows us to control not only energy consum consumption, but also allows us to make really healthy choices for um, the 38 team members that are in that space, right? So we made choices not only around having fresh air, but then we took it even deeper just into the day-to-day the -day environment and then the day-to-day -day operation of our space. Um, one, by selecting Noel. Um, part of my research, and this is our second time working with Noel, um, was around the environmental side and understand that you guys do choose products that are low in VOC. Um, you know, the, the whole old saying of, you know, the new car smell, that's actually not a good thing. Um, you don't want to lock yourself in a new car for hours at a time. That just doesn't, um, it's not good for the, for the, um, for your well-being. So we really took a lot of those things into account um, and then put a lot of smaller practices uh, that could or can make a difference into our daily work life. Um, so I think, yeah, we're all making those choices um, and to the point of full service or net least, you know, those little choices can make a difference for a tenant, especially if it's a, um, you know, a larger floor plate that has opportunities to have fresh air and other things that are assisting in the environment for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, so I, I just had a conversation with GPEC, which is Greater Phoenix Economic Council, mm -hmm. and I was picking their brain about, in a way, they're, they're almost site selectors, right? So they're covering the region and they're trying to attract businesses here. And so they're kind of looking at things a little bit more from a macro level and less granular to an actual office space. Um, but when I asked them about sustainability goals, is that ever a requirement, right? When tenants are looking here, is that ever something that you need to check a box for? They actually said that it usually is, but it's one of 10 boxes. Hmm. And, and the biggest box is obviously talent pool. Um, from there, it's, it's things like infrastructure, um, space limitations, or parking ratios, those kind of like bigger things that a site selector typically identifies. But I just thought it was fascinating that it still was a goal, but now I think it's, uh, it's becoming more of a, sorry to circle back to this, but almost like an assumption that this is gonna exist. Mm -hmm. um, you know what, Chad, I want to touch on when you say talent pool, I think that's what's driving um, the new well building standard that Noel is seeing a bit more. And we were, um, we participated in the first well certified building here in Arizona, and it's McKesson. And they were, um, they did three buildings, and um, they're a healthcare company, so wellness was very important to them and their employees are really important to them. So we're kind of seeing um, the well certification as kind of the next generation of sustainability in the workplace where you're looking at the people and how the space affects the people. Um, I just want to touch on like the seven attributes of well um, because they not only affect the, um, the building systems, but they really affect how that um, affects the people of the space. So the first one is air quality, and that's ventilation, filtration, cleaning protocols, um, water quality. And what I think is interesting about this is not it's not just like level of contaminants in water, it's the distance from someone's desk to get water. 
So it's also about like that nourishment. Hmm. Um, and then the third one is nourishment, which I love this one. Um, but Well ab advocates for having two fruits and vegetables um, in each offering of food that they offer people. And there's, there's less sugar options, there's less processed food. So it's really, they're trying to keep um, the employees healthy. Um, and then at the way they focus on light is 95% of the workstations have to be within 40 feet of a window. So everybody is gonna have a view and natural light, which is really important. And then um, fitness, so that includes not only encouraging walking, moving, um, but workplace wellness programs. And actually McKesson had, you would get points for working out, going to the fitness center, um, moving around in the office, and those points would go toward less um, healthcare costs for you. So they really were tying it back to the employee. And then the last one is comfort. So that's like thermal comfort, that's comfort um, for, you know, in the ways of furniture. And it's been a really um, successful project. And if so, I could jump on, sorry, yeah. Mark, if, um, regarding the natural light, uh, one way I've seen our interior designs, interior designers design for bringing in that natural light, you know, obviously, larger windows, um, but what we're doing a lot of times now is we're switching the old guard of these, these uh, closed office spaces that get these great window lines, and you're actually shifting that to either remove them to the in inside and then have the conference rooms and the meeting spaces built around the outside to kind of draw that light in, or if they do have one of the closed offices, it's having these glass partitions that can actually flow the, the, the light through um, their office and into the middle. and so. I think that's just one way, a simple way, that we're seeing right. our designers put that together. So this is fascinating. So, and we'll talk about the Becton Dickinson transaction that we're a part of with Smith Group, in that we started this conversation with lead, and that lead has seemed to have died out, um, which I think collectively the three of us agree, it's, it's really on the back burner of the discussion. And as we define lead, it's all around really the built space, okay? As we now move that conversation into well and wellness, and what, Kelly, you just described that are the um, seven different features of a well environment. Becton Dickinson, which is a medical device company, they've leased a new building in Tempe, uh, 120,000 square foot new really regional headquarter meeting number one all the way through assigned lease the lead conversation was with human resources the conversation started with human resources and ended and the very first meeting we had with the tenant the director of human resources David Cano talked about food fitness, amenities, opportunities to be outside. These were the drivers of the decision. We, he wasn't talking about what mechanical system we would put in the building, whether it was a single pass or, he, that was not part of the discussion. It was all people focused and wellness focused. So I think as we now think about that comment and even that trend really to, let's say, talk about Brene Brown, people, 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 right? That's the environment we're in. 
that is why I'm just making a conclusion here. That's why we're seeing the drop in lead because of its people focused, not building focused as we think about lead versus now well, right? So as we, as we think about that, uh, quick story around Becton Dickinson, and then another plug on Transwestern, look what we've created at Transwestern by removing the Keurig coffee, we've removed all single-use plastics, we have an indoor-outdoor opportunity, uh, we have a ride-your-bike program, um, we have natural light galore, um, including uh, five solar tubes, more in the middle of the space to draw more natural light down. Um, we've gone through our entire food program and have removed Costco and have gone to a different vendor for better options. Um, so our project was not lead focused, it was well focused without even knowing what we were focused on, right? Yeah. So I think that's an interesting topic to then transition into as we think about furniture, we think about design, we think about the end user, it's really now people focused. So. Thinking about the comment around people, Kelly, how would that change your pitch or your discussion around Noel when you're with a tenant in the studio looking at options? Does that change how you pitch Noel and what you're doing and what you're offering? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think um, we do... We do focus on the employee because we, you know, height adjustable desks have been, you know, something that clients have been doing for a while, but we talk about the benefits to the employee. Mm -hmm. We talk about how that, how that helps keep them healthy and active right. throughout the day. Right. Um, we talk about how one of our best task chairs um, helps support them ergonomically. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I think we are talking about the employee more, Mark. So, um, because I think that's what's in, that is what's important to companies now is how people the how the furniture function for functions for their employees. I pulled a um, a quick statistic that um, they both have ninety percent in them, which I think is kind of cool. But ninety percent of our time is spent indoors, and the quality of our buildings can impact our productivity and the way we feel. Um, but then employers spend 90% of their annual operating costs on people, staff, salary, and benefits. So keeping those employees healthy that mm -hmm. they're spending all this money on is really important. I think that's where the people factor um, comes into play is that their people are healthier, then they're going to be more productive. And I love that. And I think this is a, a neat example, too, that I got from a Heinz project manager in California. So he was pitching to a very high-end law firm. And his pitch initially was on a building that he represented that was a very environmentally responsible office building. And so he was trying to pitch to them the impact on the energy cost savings due to being in this space, even though their rent per square foot was higher. Um, for a while, he wasn't really getting this guy on board, right? So the, the, the head of this law firm wasn't really buying it, didn't really see that, that big of a gain or difference between the price per square foot and 
what he was trying to sell him from an energy cost perspective. But then he, he kind of shifted and he started talking about how it's been statistically proven to actually make more of a um, productivity impact on the people based on having some of these aspects like natural light and clean air. And so that immediately shifts this law firm's focus and that the guy bought into it and was willing to pay more purely because there was a sell on productivity. So I thought, I thought that's really fascinating because I personally believe that tenants are using building as a, buildings as a way to recruit and retain the best people. Well, and I think that's a, that's a valid point. And something that um, I will talk about in whether it's a panel discussion or uh, around a, a new development that might be uh, planned in the Valley. Think about Google, Apple, Facebook, or back to my Washington roots with Microsoft. They nailed it, it let's, as, as Microsoft as an example, they nailed it decades ago. Think about what they created from an environment perspective for their employee, right? It was centered around open air, food, wellness, um, and really the entire list of well, um, a, well, a well-certified building or place. Yeah. And there wasn't a label on it. It was what they knew was right for the employee. If Microsoft was going to attract and retain the best, they knew they had to offer an environment and a place where someone could thrive and be well. So now put that, so that's a, that's a public company um, making those decisions. And now let's fast forward to 2010, you know, kind of coming out of the recession a little bit. Um, and look where, for example, just specifically the Valley, the Phoenix area, think of what's been built, renovated or adaptive reuse in the last nine years, right? It's really coming off and playing off companies like Microsoft, like Google, like Facebook, having outdoor opportunities, amenities. Really, it's all around the people, right? So I think as we think about well, and the fact that we've had that in, in companies for decades, uh, really progressive companies at the time, now it's really like in the, it's really in the daily life of a tenant, um, especially in, in urban markets. And we can really define urban now as Boise, Nashville, New York City, San Francisco. Any of those markets you go to have incredible buildings and spaces that people are, are officing and working in. So my question around that, as we just spanned the early 80s with Microsoft, all the way to our market today. My question to you, Kelly, would be, if we are focused around people, 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 do you think that trend, if it is a trend, right. for Microsoft it's not, it's just how they operate, is it a trend to you, and then where do you see us going in the next five years, based on that? I don't know if I think it's a trend or if we've actually gotten to the right place where we're focusing on our biggest investment, right? Company's biggest investment. 
Um, my, I have one of my largest clients here is GoDaddy, and they actually have a position there called the Chief People Officer. That's his um, title. Um, but they are so focused on the people. What they did here um, was created a true campus out in Tempe where you can play basketball, get healthy food, um, work on a treadmill, you can ride a go-kart, you can, and it was all about attracting and retaining the best people. Right. Um, and the ideas kind of started with him and then trickled down. Um, but I don't, you know, long answer mark, I don't think it's a trend. I think we've arrived at where we need to be and I think that we're just gonna keep building on it. I agree. I, I completely agree. I think that companies and the world are figuring out that it is about people um, and how do we make them happy, productive, and well um, in the environment. So Chad, I think what's really fascinating too as we think about um, our earlier comment about the world being small, um, that being small and the uh, where design fits in. And I think what's really interesting about design today is that because of social media, um, like Instagram or YouTube as an example, design is really at people's front door today. Um, you know, by design is real. Um, you know, I might be an anomaly, but I actually don't think I am anymore. I think that the client um, comes to you with an idea of what they want. And they might know specific products, i.e. the womb chair, um, a classic null piece that is kind of a must in my opinion. They know they want that right out of the gate because I think the visual of the world is so small now. So Chad, with the thought around people and then design, do you see or are you seeing design and the client coming in knowing what they want right out of the gate and knowing the things they want for their employees. Yeah, I do. And I think we, we talked a little bit about it with uh, most lead focus being around the HR department, right? The HR leads. So they're obviously going to be focused on the people and their benefits and their wellness. Um, and then I think it trickles down. I think uh, we have seen, this is a great recent example. We did Lane Terralever. Um, which is a really neat progressive company. Uh, but they came in day one with a Pinterest board of their own and sat down and said, we love raw natural wood. We want this incorporated. Here's a desk we love. I found eight pictures of this natural wood. We love exposed brick. Here's where I saw this happen. We love these things, right? And I, I, from a design side, it makes our lives a ton easier mm -hmm. because we don't have to do all the guesswork and Right, we don't have to go through this long series of asking them the, uh, certain questions just to pry out maybe some things that they really value, and so it's it's definitely helping speed up the process, and it's it's kind of reducing guesswork on our end, which ultimately then you you have a better product, right? You don't have a client that looks at it after you do your punch list that says, whoa, whoa, whoa I kind of want a little bit more open floor plan or, or raw steel versus kind of this more corporate closed feel. Um, so I, I just think that's been a huge change for us. I think we're seeing a lot of that. I think I would actually think maybe on the furniture side that could be a little bit frustrating because I would think maybe they would come in with some ideas of furniture that they like 
and maybe even try to source where that came from before they start talking to you. That completely happens, yeah. And we see the Pinterest pages too. So, but again, we then we understand the vibe of the space, yep. we understand the color palette. Um, I find it helpful, but that does happen sometimes where we don't have the exact um, design that they want. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I think what's, as we look to wrap up the discussion around our initial topic of lead and lead certification, I think over the last 30 or so minutes, we've come to the conclusion that it is people, people, people. And the future of the built environment will be based around people, wellness, and having a work environment that people can thrive in. Um, Kelly, thank you. Thank you, Mark. A wonderful discussion. Yeah. Thank you. Around the built environment. Chad, great to be with you again. Of course. Glad to be here. Until next time, thanks for joining us and look forward to our next episode.